Well, we're in, I don't know, like part four of our series called Breaking Bad. How many of you have enjoyed it so far? Okay, several of you, good. And so the rest of you, we're still working. We'll keep, we'll work, keep working on this, right? Uh, so here's, here's the deal. At Southridge, we're trying to deal with issues. We're always trying to deal with the issues that stand in our way of our spiritual growth and our maturity as followers of Christ. That's, that's one of our goals. I mean, another one of our goals is to actually, this year, get really aggressive about being healthy spiritually because healthy spirituality produces healthy spirituality. And so we're trying to figure out what that means. But to do that, we've got to deal with this stuff. We've got to deal with this stuff. We've got to deal with the issues. And so I, can, can we just be honest for a second? Can we just be honest? All of us have stuff. Matter of fact, look at the person next to you and say, I got stuff. Just tell them, I got stuff. You know, we all have stuff. We, we all have issues. We all got stuff, you know. And we got junk. We got things that, we're, that we need to deal with. I mean, we're, nobody in the room here has arrived. Nobody is there. Nobody's got it all figured out and, and, and has it all made. We all have this junk, if you will, that keeps us from greatness with God. There's just things in our hearts. There's things in our behaviors. There's just stuff. And, and most of it, and we've said this every week, isn't out there necessarily as much as it is in here. That we just got things that happen in our heads and in our hearts that really kind of mess with us. And, and it shows up at always the worst times, right? I mean, isn't that the way it happens? It shows up in our relationships. It shows up in our ability to get something done or to move forward in life. It always seems to be right there. And so we all have this thing. And so in this series, what we've been doing is chasing after this idea of a new level of freedom personally. That somehow, some way, each and every one of us, and I always look at it this way, if I'm a three on the level of, of one to ten, ten being total freedom, and I'm a three, I would love to move from a three to a four. I would just love to have one step in the right direction, that somehow, some way, God is changing who I am, and I'm finding this new level of freedom in Him. And so that's, we're really getting aggressive about trying to figure out what that means. Another thing we've been saying every week is this is that many times, if you're a follower of Christ and you've stepped over the threshold, so to speak, of a relationship with Jesus, he forgave you. He gave you a new life. You, you, you by faith, received the forgiveness that was in Christ on the cross, and at that moment, you were forgiven. It didn't matter what you had done, no matter how far you've gone away, no matter what, you were washed, as the scriptures say, white as snow. The, your sins were cast as far as the east is from the west. I mean, that's just what happened, and you were forgiven. But just because you were forgiven didn't automatically mean in that moment you experienced total freedom. Because you still had junk. You still had stuff. I mean, that's what happened to me. I mean, I, I've mentioned every week a different part of my story, and I'm going to tell a little bit more of it this today. That, that forgiveness doesn't automatically equal freedom. I've got to walk through the journey of finding freedom. And so hopefully that's what's happening during this series that you're getting a little bit more freedom in your spiritual journey. So here's our key text. Key text is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. I've read this verse, I think, 150 times now, and it's just becoming part of who I am. And I want to encourage you to memorize it every week. One of our key text verses, memorize it. Let it sink into who you are as a person. It says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's an idea of ownership. I am owned by Jesus. That's the starting point. 
those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And so the idea is that there is this active work with the cross, and last week we, put, we nailed these on here. But there's this active work, and by the way, and, and to really pull the analogy right, we should take these down and then every day we nail them back on there again. That's really the correct analogy. The correct analogy isn't once and for all. The connect, correct analogy is daily, I'm nailing my passions and desires to the cross of Christ. In other words, I'm giving them to him for him to work out in me this freedom that he paid for me in the first place for. And so what we're talking about in this series, we talked about bad attitudes. Today we're talking about bad habits. And next week we're talking about bad thoughts. And so we're trying to figure out how does all this work to bring me freedom in my spiritual journey. And so there's this very intentional idea here that happens. So we're going to continue to work on our cross-nailing abilities, all right? So, So let me give you a real quick review. Week one. Breaking bad starts with an awareness. There needs to be an awareness. We're, we're aware that I've got junk. We're aware that I've got stuff that's part of my life that needs to be dealt with, and I become aware. Some people <clears throat> never become aware. You know, a lot of times we'll meet those people, and they say they're, it's, they're, they're blind to it. They just, they just don't see it. Everybody else can see it. Isn't that how it works a lot of times? Is you, the person that really needs to see it doesn't see it, but everybody around them can see it. It's like, oh, my. It's too bad they can't see that. And you try to tell them, and they respond in a certain way, and it gets ugly. And, and so first week, we talked about awareness and admission, that, that I am aware that I have a sinful human nature. We all have it. We were born with it. That I have a hu- sinful human nature, and I admit that I'm powerless to control it, and I need help to break it. That was week one. Week two, we talked about breaking bad as understanding how temptation works, that temptation is a big part of this, that we need to deal with our desires. And then last week, we began dealing with the issues of our bad attitudes, that we, that we would deal with the bad attitudes. And I'm able to address my bad attitude, and it was our last statement from last week, by coming to a place where I truly, truly desire for the other person to succeed that I quit making it about me. It's not, it's not a selfish thing. It's an other thing. It's, it's me getting to that point. So, so today, we want to keep nailing to the cross these ideas, and we're going to talk about bad habits. Anybody want to just start off with raising your hand and say, I have a bad habit? Good, good. I'm, I'm, we're talking to the right group then, right? I mean, this is us. This, this idea of a bad habit. And so we all have bad habits. We all have routines and patterns that are not the healthiest. And that's what it is. It's, it's this autopilot thing that's happening that we've built over time that we know isn't ha- healthy, and it's just not right. And so I, I thought about some of my bad habits. You know, I, you know, Jennifer thinks I have a lot of them, but I just thought of a couple that I could maybe share with you. Um, I used to, and not as much anymore, but I remember, and this is a good time to bring this up, I used to have to watch every game March Madness. Okay? I'm just admitting my, my sinful habit. To the point where if I didn't, I would get crabby 
I would get upset with the kids. I would change my schedule. I would do all these things. And it was years, years ago. And during college, I would not prepare for papers. I would, I mean, I would let things go because I had this habit that I had to watch every game or I had to watch every football game. And it was just terrible. You know what? This year, I barely know what's going on with March Madness. Sorry, guys. I mean, I filled out the bracket. I don't even know what happened. You know, I mean, who, who, who you know, I just did it. But it was a bad habit. It was just a little bad habit. So, you know, that's not that big a deal. But then I thought about in my life as general, in general. I, I grew up in a, a non-Christian home with alcoholic parents. My mom and dad were both alcoholic in the sense I called them social alcoholics. And what I meant by that is they weren't necessarily down and out, couldn't carry a job, couldn't do that, but they would close the bars four or five times a week. I, I helped raise my brother and sister, not because I wanted to, I just had to. I mean, I grew up breaking up fights between my parents, you know, when I'm in my underwear and they're swinging each other in a drunken stupor, and that's what I grew up in. You would think because of that, I would say, man, I don't ever want to be a part of that. But in sixth grade, I decided I would try that. And it started this huge, long, addictive process. We're talking from sixth grade until I was 20. I had an alcoholic drug problem. I mean, I would have been classified very easily as a teenage alcoholic. I remember getting, you're like, well, how'd you get it? Well, that was easy. I I remember getting 12 packs and bottles of liquor when I was a freshman and when I was a sophomore in high school and drinking them by myself. I remember doing that. It was, it was an addictive behavior. And, you know, if I look back on it, I was just trying to run away from things that were in my heart and try to deal with it. But I had this very addictive thing that happened. And it wasn't until I came to Christ that that was broken off. I mean, in, for my life, the forgiveness moment actually meant a very powerful freedom moment in specific areas. And it should. God does that. But, but some of those things still linger. You know, the addictive things. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't play video games. You know why I don't play video games? Not because I'm not very good. Because I have an addictive nature. I, I, I know that. I know that about myself. I, I know that, I, I, you know, I, I can't eat one cookie. <laughs> come on, come on, don't leave me up here. <laughs> I have an addictive nature. I have to eat the whole box of sugar cinnamon cookies you know jennifer gets mad at me they uh, let me tell you a real quick story though this maybe we should delete this off the thing we had ice cream after we did chis kebabs last night we had some family over and stuff yeah, i mean just a beautiful night and then afterwards say you know what we need to s- just make this a beautiful night ice cream we didn't have any ice cream and so the kids ran over to bakers or wherever i don't know where they went and they came back and all of them had Nice little tubs of Ben and Jerry's, like that big. I mean, like two or three servings and everything else. I didn't even know they had this. They brought me back a mini-me. It was about this big and about that big. (laughs) What is up with that? I'm still upset about that. I mean, I'm dealing with the attitude part still, but I'm, you know. But anyway, so, so I mean, just addictiveness has been a part of my story. And maybe that's part of your story. That's the bad habit, this addictive thing. So, so I don't want to, again, every week I've been getting up here, I, I don't want to feel like I'm speaking to you. I want to feel like I'm speaking with you, that we all wrestle with this. 
So, so real quickly, here's, here's some habits that we struggle with. And it's, they kind of fit in some categories, and there's other ones. But just think of them this way. First of all, there's habits of behavior. Habits of behavior. You know, you can be a habitual liar. You can be an overeater. You know, not one cookie, ten cookies. You know, not one cheeseburger, two cheeseburgers. You know, I mean, you, that can be a part of it. You can be an overspender, overshopper. You know, I mean, you can be a shopaholic. You can be a procrastinator. There you go. I, that can be a behavior habit. I mean, you just procrastinate. You push stuff off. And, and, and so there's a lot of behavior things. And, you, you know, you can put in all the little ones. You know, I bite my nails. You know, I do this. You know, whatever. But, I mean, you know, there's, there's ones that are really bad that are destructive. So be- habits of behavior. And then there's habits of addiction or uh, addictions. And that's the one I referred to that was part of my life for a long time, long time. You know, the addiction is anything that has a negative or destructive control over you. And many times the addictive habits become secret habits because of the shame and the guilt that comes with them. So we work hard to make sure nobody else knows about who we really are. Because that addiction thing, that's why so many people that struggle with that, you, ne- you go, really? You never knew because they know the shame, the guilt that the addictive behavior brings about. And so this addiction, here's an interesting one. that I didn't know whether to connect it with the addiction part of it or not, but it's this habit to compartmentalize our lives. I didn't even put it in there, but just that we compartmentalize our lives. Some of us have fallen into a bad habit of making my spiritual moment habit here, and then whatever I want to do over there. Or maybe when I'm with this group of people, I have a habit of doing this. But when I'm with this group of people, I do this. It's kind of a chameleon kind of thing that happens, but it's a habit. And I don't know if it's an addictive behavior as much as, uh, or addiction as much as it might be a behavior. So that's another one. Here's, here's another one that we struggle with is reaction habits. Reaction habits. You know, maybe your habit is every time you get overwhelmed, you turn to the bottle or the prescription drugs, or whatever it might be. That's how you respond. Every time it gets a little hard, you, it's like, man, it's time to party. You know, that's, that's, how you, that's how you act, and it's your habit. Or, or every time you get challenged, you react with defensiveness or an argument. That's how you react. That's, that's what happens. Or, or maybe every time you feel lonely, you seek unhealthy relationships. It's a habit. It's a pattern that I've, that I've gotten in that's a reactionary pattern. You know, my habit every time, and this is a really bad habit that God has been helping me with to deal with over the years, is every time I get offended, I disconnect. Just a bad habit. I mean, you're going to get offended. Why? If I disconnect every time I get offended, eventually I'm going to live on a mountain by myself, right? I'm going to be ostracized. I'm going to be recluse, and I won't have any relationships at all because everybody... In relationships, at one time or another, you get offended. But it's a bad habit. And so reactionary habits are huge too. So there's two different approaches to breaking bad habits. Two different approaches. The common approach is it takes willpower. Just willpower. If you just have willpower, I call this the Oprah approach. You know? You just got to mind over matter this, uh, matter this thing. You, you, just have to, you, you just have to make it happen. It's the weak versus the strong, and the strong will survive. Mind over matter. Get positive with your thoughts. I mean, come on. And it's, it's almost like a cheerleader kind of thing. You can do this. You can do this. And it's all about you. It's willpower. And I would say most books that you go to read in the, the bookstore about getting over habits are going to be in this category. 
You just got to will it. And the reason why you can't break that habit is because you don't have enough will. You're just a weakling. You're just a wimp. And I don't know if that's true. Matter of fact, I don't think it is. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's bigger than that. Because then the second one, and this is the biblical answer, the biblical answer to our bad habits is transformation. Transformation. Not willpower. It's transformation. God's going to, and by the way, the word transformation is metamorphosis. It's that idea of, of being in one state and being transfigured, if you will, to another state. That I, that I used to actually be this, but now I'm this. It isn't just that I made a great willpower decision. There's been a, a real living change that is taking place in me. And that's what the biblical answer is. And so, and what that means, it's allowing God full access to who I am by His Spirit and yielding to the change He wants to bring about in me. That's what it is. Check out this, these verses. I love these verses. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, and especially in the message. And I, I love the message sometimes because the, the message is a paraphrase, and it kind of says things that you wouldn't normally say about the text. It's not the best to study from necessarily, but it's great to understand. So check out what Paul says. So he says, in, re- in light of this, by, by the way, it, so the first phrase is a therefore phrase. And the therefore is connected to all the chapters preceding to this that are talking about God's mercy, God's spirit, God's work, God, God, God. Okay? And he goes on, he says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. You might want to underline that. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around, everything, and place it before God. Sounds like nailing it to the cross, doesn't it? Place it before God as an offering. My, as an offering. I'm going to bring something to the Lord. I'm going to take my everyday life, my habits, my junk, all the stuff that I have, and I'm going to place it before the Lord. And it goes on embracing what God does. Not what you do, but what he does. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Then it goes on, don't become so well-adjusted. In other words, don't fall into the patterns and the routines of what everybody else is doing because everybody else is doing it. Actually, think about it for a second. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix or focus your attention on God. You'll be changed. You'll be changed from the inside out, transformation. You'll be a different person. It isn't about willpower. It isn't that. It's, it's this changing part that happens within you. And he goes, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. And I love this phrase, God brings the best out of you. God brings the best out of you. You know, this whole series is that phrase, God bringing the best out of us. God bringing us to a point where it's, it's finally what I was created to be. And, he do, and then the last phrase there, it's a, and develops well-formed maturity in you. Isn't that a great portion of Scripture? Yeah, maybe, kind of. So you're like, I don't know. So, so let me ask a question. How do we allow God to change us? How do we allow God to change us? If it's not my willpower, but it's God's transformation, how do I allow him to make that happen? How do I allow God to do what he does and bring out the best? How does that happen in me? How does that take place? 
And first, we need to understand where our bad habits come from. And, and ultimately, they come from our sinful nature. I'd encourage you to listen to week one. But our habits come from three basic areas in life, all right? They come from our parents, that's where our circumstances or our environment, and our choices. That's where they come from. I mean, our habits and, and who we are come from those three basic arenas. I mean, it's our parents, you know, mom and dad, you know, love them, hate them kind of thing sometimes. But that's what I have. That's who I came from. And then my environment, you know, I was in this kind of setting. I was in a socially alcoholic environment growing up. That was my world. And then my choices. At sixth grade, I made a choice. And I chose to begin to go down this path. And so here's just a couple thoughts. It's true. We inherit patterns from our uh, behavior from our parents. Your parents. Good, the bad, and the ugly. And if your parents are here right now and you're a young child or an adult child with your parents, just look straight ahead. Don't look at them because they might feel really insecure in the moment. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's all there. We have some physical and emotional defects because of who our parents were or are. That's the reality. You have some things that you do or you are just simply because that's who your parents were. And, and, but it doesn't give me an excuse, you know. So, but just because we are predisposed, it does not give us an excuse for poor behavior or bad habits. We are still responsible. Just because your dad had a hot temper doesn't mean that you have to or should as well. Well, that was just how my dad was. That's what I grew up with, so that's what I did. Or, or, or just because you had an al- alcoholic parent doesn't mean you have to become one as well. See, sometimes we think, well, that's just what I, I, I don't have any choice. Well, you do. You have a choice. You have an option. Predisposition does not give you a license. It gives you a challenge and an opportunity. Just because you are predisposed in an alcoholic home or whatever it might be, it doesn't mean, oh, well, I guess I have to be an alcoholic. What it does then is it allows you the opportunity. The challenge is there, but it's an opportunity to figure out this process that God is laying before you, that he could still transform you no matter what you came out of. It's an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity. And so some of us, you know, we, we've learned from watching and following the examples of others that that environment or circumstances. Some of us have had painful environments that have created a pattern of reactionary habits. Some of us have been hurt in repeated ways that because of that scenario, that environment, that situation, now I have a reactionary habit that's in life that always is with me. Let me give you the one for me. Over the years, being a pastor can sometimes be brutal because not all the sheep are nice. Some sheep bite. Okay? Pastor's a shepherd and people are sheep. Okay, just there, you know. Sometimes sheep bite. And so over the years, I've, I've had to deal with a lot of sheep that bit me. And so that was the circumstance. That was the painful environment that I was a part of. And what it did, and I didn't realize it, now I'm realizing it more and more, that because of that, and even some of how I was raised, because I didn't have some of the things that maybe I needed that God, you know, he knew, he knew but I don't trust people. So my first inclination is a habit that says, I don't trust you. 
Why? Because of my environment that I've allowed to develop a habit that makes me react a certain way. And so that's, that's me. I mean, I, I, I mean, God is working on me, and he's helping me to do that because it, not all sheep are like that. Not all people are like that. God still wants to forgive. God still wants to work. And so I, I, can't, I can't allow myself. But the reality is is sometimes the painful environments create a pattern of reactionary habits. And my issue is trust. What's yours? What's yours? And so we have to wrestle with that. So here's the reality. We can't do anything about our parents. And where we came from, you can't do anything about that. You might want to, but you can't. You, and, and you can't do much about the examples or the environments that you grew up in or you have. Sometimes you can if you're right there right now. You can. You still have a choice now. But we can choose. You and I get the choice to engage in this or not. We get the choice to decide, am I going to allow God to transform me or am I going to do something else? What's going to happen? Where, where am I going to go with this in life? Is it just going to be the same old, same old? Or is something going to really actually start taking place in my life that makes me, transfigures me, metamorphoses, makes this thing, this junk thing I'm wrestling with different? I have a choice. I have a choice. We all have. See, bad habits are developed by repeatedly making bad choices. You know that sixth grade thing that I did? I got drunk when I was in sixth grade. I made that same choice again. And again, and again, and again, and again, until I didn't have to think about making a choice. I was just, that's how my life was. It just became a part of the pattern, the habit of who I was. And that, so it happened. So, so let, let me ask another question. Are you guys with me? I mean, I'm moving through some stuff here. So, so why is it so hard to break a bad habit? That's a good question, awesome. isn't it? Why is it so hard? I mean, how many of you know that it's hard? I mean, you ever try to break a bad habit? It's like, man, this is just hard. Just hard. Well, first, usually we don't engage this. We try to do it in our own power. That's the big one. But, but a lot of times what happens is the bad habit becomes like an old friend that we've had around for a long time. You know, we, we, we've just kind of gotten used to it. it. It becomes familiar and comfortable, and we're actually more com- comfortable with the habit than we are with the possibility of not being in the habit. My reaction becomes so common, I just I feel more comfortable when I react that way. And, and so that becomes, and we get used to the behavior and don't recognize the destructiveness of it. I was thinking about the peanuts character. I mean, it's pig pen, you know, bugs flying around. I mean, at some point, you got to go, man, this is nasty, you know. But, but we, don't, we just get used to it. We just get used to the stuff, and we just, okay, it's been that way for so long, so that's the way it is. Or, or here's another thought. Why is it so br- hard to break? We've made the choices for so long, we now find our identity in the bad habit. We find our identity in a bad habit. I'm a partier. I'm an overeater. I'm a workaholic. It's just the way I am. You know, it's kind of like a badge almost. And, and we wear it as the who. You know, it's like, I got a bad habit. You got a problem with my bad habit? You know, it's almost, it's like, whoa, here, what is that? And so that's, I think, sometimes get, gets in the way. Or, or here's another one. We subconsciously or consciously, it could be either or both, realize that every bad habit has a reward. You know, we, 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 we get a little bit of feel-good from it. We get a little bit of feel-good. 
consciously or subconsciously, even, we, even if we know that it's a bad habit, it still has with it a temporary effect that makes the pain or the struggle go, go away or be bearable for a moment. You get drunk and you forget about your problems. Right? I mean, it's a reality. You know, you, you allow yourself to go with these things. A lot of times it does have a, a reward effect. It's actually part of the habit. There is a trigger, a routine, and a reward. And we know that subconsciously. And so, so that begins to take place. And, and, and so it's what happens. Or, or here's another thought. Is why is it so hard? As we see ourselves as unable to change. I've been like this for 25 years. I've been like this for 50 years. I've been like this for as long as I can remember. That's, that's just part of who I am. I mean, it goes back to the who identity thing. And we don't see ourselves as able to change. I found this quote from the great theologian, Carlos Santana. Most people don't have the willingness to break bad habits. They have a lot of excuses, and they talk like victims. Isn't that true? We, we get to the point where we just say, oh, me, my, I can't believe it. But really what it is, is we've been so dependent on willpower for so long, we've never really fully understand the transforming power of God. And so there we are. We are victim, victim of our own will. <laughs> and so there it goes. So, so how can we break this thing? How can we break this? How, how, how can we break bad habits? And there's a little line in our text today from Romans 12, it says, fix your eyes or your thoughts or your mind on God. And what is fixing? It's focusing. It's focusing. It's, it's actually, and here's a thought that many of us don't think about a lot, and no pun intended, is we're not intentional about transformation. We're not intentional. You know what I realized when I started realizing years ago that I have trust issues? I actually started reading talking, having conversations with people. If I sense it coming up, I actually try to address it head on. I mean, it's what I do. I'll give you an example. This last week, I was in a, a meeting with a bunch of pastoral leaders from the state, and we were going through this thing, and, and things had happened, and I went to the leader afterwards, and he was talking about something. I was talking about something. I said, you know, I just got to let you know that sometimes in our meetings, I struggle to trust that everybody around the table is really honest. And I just want to let you know that, that when I'm doing that, I mean, it's, it's me. It's, it's not you, you know, kind of thing. I mean, I, and so right when I did that, man, it, I let go of that thing. I mean, it was, it was me giving it back to God. Because otherwise I could kind of sit there and feel that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. I got to know that I'm at least talking to three people. If three people raise their hands, I'm with it. So, so the, how do we do this? Focus, all right? So let me give you real quickly, I think I, there's five things here. One first one is this, focus on one thing. One thing. Most of us have piles of issues. It's a mountain. You know, how do you climb a mountain? One step at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, I mean, most of us have piles of issue. And it took us a while to gather all the junk, and it's going to take us a little while to deal with it. So wisdom realizes I need to focus on one thing at a time. I need to pick something that I can focus on. Otherwise, we just end up going in circles. Check out the verse from Proverbs 17. It says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. And so the first step is identifying one habit that is creating problems and begin to offer it to the Lord. 
one thing. Here's the second one. Is focus on right now. Focus on right now. See, Jesus taught his disciples to pray this prayer. Give us today our daily bread. He didn't say give us next week or next year or in 10 years our daily bread. It was a right now thing that God was talking about. And see, many times what happens is we don't deal with the habits because we're always thinking about maybe out there someday in the future, somehow, some way, this is all going to get taken care of. And because we're always thinking out there, we never deal with right here. And we never get to the point where we're actually wrestling with what we need to wrestle with. The t- today, that we would somehow get a hold of today. That, that some of us worry so much about tomorrow, we never deal with today. Here's Matthew 6, verse 34. So don't worry, Jesus is saying this. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own set of worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So focus an offering on your today. That's why Jesus said, here, check this out. Connection. Jesus said to do this with the cross. He said, daily, <laughs> pick up your cross and follow me. Daily. So what does that mean? It means daily I need to decide that one thing or that thing, and I'm laying it at his feet. I'm giving it to Jesus. I'm saying, Lord, I need transformation right in this area. I can't do this myself. I don't have it in me. So focus on right now. Here's another one. This goes right to what I was just saying. Focus on God's ability, not your own. Focus on God's ability, not your own. Your willpower is not the issue here. We're not talking about whether you're weak or strong. We're talking about whether or not you're going to let God transform you. We're talking about whether you're going to surrender to God's power and allow him to do something that you can never do yourself. The point is simply this. We can't, but God can. Philippians chapter 4 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So what's that mean? Stop trying to make it happen and begin to trust him to transform you. Stop trying to make it happen and begin to trust him to make it happen. Allow God and his ability. He's a lot better at fixing this than you are, right? Because if that's the case, you wouldn't be dealing with it today anyway. Here's another one. Focus on people who help. Focus on people who help, not hinder you. See, if, if you want to get stung by bees, you hang out with bees. Right? I mean, a lot of times, it's simply this. If I'm going to hang out with the loser crowd, there's a good chance you're a loser. Just just throwing that out there. But if I'm going to hang out with the other crowd, the the transforming crowd, and hang out with the people that understand, hey, willpower doesn't work, I need God's power. I need God to work in my life. Something different uniquely is going to happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, Bad company corrupts good character. Surround yourself with people who truly want you to succeed as a follower of Christ. For many of you, this is the big one. You hang out with people that talk nonsense all the time. You hang out with people that have habits that are just absolutely stupid. And you wonder why you get sucked into stupid habits. You, 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 you run with that group of people, you think with that group of people, you act with that group of people, and then you wonder, why do I have habits like I have? It could be that simple. There's an intentionality about leaving this crowd and stepping into this crowd that are at the cross. Last one is this. Focus 
on progress, not perfection. Focus on progress, not perfection. See, real life change is a progressive process. I'm not there yet, but I'm moving. I'm not there yet. I haven't totally won the battle against trusting people, but I'm moving. I know God's doing things. I know that there's things in my heart that when I, and by the way, my reactionary response is directly connected to that. I disconnect. And so this part of it, as I'm moving forward, God does not love you because you are perfect. He loves you because he created you for a special purpose and a relationship with him. It's not about your perfection. It's actually about his desire and his plan for your life. Somehow I would get that. So here's a scripture, Philippians 1. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work active until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returned. And if you're serious about making bad habits, you will repeat this verse again and again and again, that I am confident of this, that today God is bringing me to a new place in him because I'm in this position. I wrap it up. I was just thinking about three simple words. To remove it, to replace it, to repeat it. Remove it, kill it. Kill it on the cross. Remove it. Nail it to the cross. Bring it into the open. Admit that you've got the habit. Offer it to God. Kill it. Remove it from your life. Get aggressive with it. Second is replace it. There's a scripture that kept going through my mind this week that said that when somebody, and it was talking about demons, and it was talking about how if somebody had a demonic thing and it was cast out, but then the right thing wasn't put in, that the same thing that was cast out would actually come back with all of its friends and it would be seven times as bad. I need to replace it with the right thing. I can't just get rid of it. I've got to replace it with a new routine. I've got to put off and put on. I've got to do that. Repeat. That's the last. So remove it, replace it, repeat it. There's this constant, constant, constant shifting that needs to be happening in my life. Constant shifting. Because stagnancy is what breeds habits that are deadly. I just keep doing the same. I've got to understand that if I stay in the same place too long, I've got to keep moving because otherwise I'm going to die. And there's a verse, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3 and 4. It's talking about some lepers. And it's kind of a weird verse, but I, just, it, I was drawn to it this week. And they said this, Why should we sit here waiting to die? We will starve if we stay here. And I want to apply that to our habits. Why would we stay in the midst of our habits that are killing us? We have to move. Why would we stay in the same place over here thinking willpower, willpower, or it's not that big a deal, it's not that big a deal. Why would we stay there? It's going to kill us. Lord, help us to make this step. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today that, God, you don't leave us on the side of the road. You You don't abandon us, God. Instead, you invite us. You welcome us, Lord. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've been a part of, Lord, you're not looking for perfection. You're just simply looking for availability. And so, Lord, I pray right now in this room that, Lord, there would be a corporate decision, a choice, oh God, that says, Lord, here's my life. I'm laying it and I'm offering it at the foot of the cross, saying, God, would you begin the transforming process in my life?
I've got habits that are causing me problems, God. Habits that are pulling me away from you. Habits that are causing problems in the relationships around me. And I'm saying, Lord, please, would you move? In Jesus' name.